What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in today's video, I'm going to be going through my running back start sits heading into week three of the NFL season. If you guys are new to the channel, the way I do my start sit videos, I'm going to go into every single week three matchup. So all 16 games, talk about every single fantasy relevant running back, and I'll be listing these players as either a start, fringe option, or a sit. Starts are players you feel very confident throwing into your lineup. These are going to be your running back ones, your running back twos, the fringe options. Maybe these are your running back three or like a flex play. You probably don't love them in your lineup, but you know, they're potentially startable, especially with some injuries at the running back position, you know, kind of getting thin. We had some big names that are hurt. Some of these guys in sort of committees aren't necessarily working out. So I do think some of these fringe options, you know, may have to be starts for you guys in your lineups. Um, and then sits pretty self-explanatory. You would definitely prefer to not have these guys in your fantasy football lineups. If you all enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you have any questions, drop it down below. Just do me a huge favor, hit that like button if I am helping you out or you know you do enjoy the content. But let's jump into the first matchup of the week. We have Thursday Night Football, Giants taking on the 49ers. And unfortunately, it looks like Saquon is going to miss some time. I think the timetable's like set around three weeks with an ankle injury. So now we've got like Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell here in this backfield. I have to expect that this is going to be some sort of a committee here. Also, you have the really tough matchup going up against the 49ers. So this is a spot where I really wouldn't want to play either guy. I think this is kind of an interesting week because you're probably not going to feel pressured to play them against the 49ers, but we're also kind of going to get a look at what this split looks like. Like is Matt Breida the clear number one? You know, who's getting the early down work, who's getting the receiving work, who's in on the goal line. Um, we're going to have some questions answered, and we can probably do that without actually having these guys play in our lineup this week. On the other side for the 49ers, I mean, Christian McCaffrey running back one overall, clear cut RB1 rest of season. I mean, this dude is locked into a massive workload. The only concern we had with CMC heading into the season would be like, is Elijah Mitchell cutting into his workload? Elijah Mitchell isn't cutting into anything. CMC has been dominant through two weeks, and hopefully he continues that moving forward. Now, moving over to the Sunday slate, we have the Colts taking on the Ravens, and Zach Moss came out after missing week one and just had some absurd running back usage. He played on 56 of 57 running back snaps. You just don't see that in today's NFL. Even like your clear-cut RB1s aren't putting together that type of usage. The dude missed one snap out of 57. He also ran routes on 33 of 35 dropbacks, totaled 18 carries, four targets. I mean, it looks like he is clearly locked in as the Colts running back one. And that type of workload week to week is very, very startable. So he is definitely someone I'd be comfortable playing in my lineup. And he may honestly be sitting on waivers at this point. If you can go out and get Zach Moss, I think he's very interesting. And there's also the upside long-term of JT, like refusing to play for the Colts or getting traded, where he could be handling this workload, you know, through week 17, if he's able to hold up. So definitely someone who should be on every single roster, and I'd be comfortable playing him here in week three. Then moving over to the Ravens, we got our kind of first look of a full game without J.K. Dobbins here. And it was a pretty solid split between Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, but I do think that Justice Hill is the better option moving forward. We saw Justice Hill take 11 carries to Gus Edwards' 10. That's kind of where they were even. But Justice Hill is just way more involved as a pass catcher. He had a 59% route participation, which is solid. I was targeted three times. Gus Edwards didn't record a target. And even though Gus Edwards scored the touchdown this week, uh, Hill scored it in week one, or scored two in week one. Gus Edwards got it in week two. But Justice Hill actually took three of the four goal line snaps. So it's not like Gus Edwards is locked in as the goal line guy. I think Justice Hill is the better option. I think he's a solid fringe play. 
and then I prefer to uh, sit Gus Edwards in this matchup. Moving over to the Titans, taking on the Browns. Starting off with the Titans here, once again, we had uh, some Tajay Spears action kind of working his way into this Titans running back room. I still think Derrick Henry is a very, very strong start, but Tajay Spears is definitely someone who should be rostered. He may end up having some week-to-week value later on in the season, and right now he is a very, very valuable handcuff because we really haven't seen someone eat into Derrick Henry's you know, snaps like we have here with Tajay Spears. So the Titans clearly like him, and if Derrick Henry were to go down, I think Tajay Spears would handle a pretty solid workload. On the other side with the Browns, you know, rough news with uh, Nick Chubb going down. Definitely seemed like a pretty serious injury. Not going to lie, I did not watch like the the close-up, was not interested in uh, seeing that. But after Nick Chubb went down, we saw Jerome Ford kind of step up and be their clear-cut running back one behind Nick Chubb. We saw Pierre Strong get in there for some opportunities, but it does seem like Jerome Ford would be the play in this backfield. I have him listed as a fringe option. This is a really tough matchup here against the Titans, so I think he's more of like a running back three flex play somewhere in there. If you do need him, I know there have been some running back injuries. I get playing him. Um, you know, if you have better options, I think that's fair also. But I do think he would be a fringe option for me this week. Moving over to the Falcons Lions matchup, big game from Bijan Robinson here. 72% snap share, 78% raw participation, 19 carries, four targets, turn that into 172 yards from scrimmage. Unfortunately, we still have Tyler Algier taking the majority of the goal line snaps, but I mean, pretty much outside of that, Bijan's usage has been very, very strong, especially here in week two. And he's also just made the most of his opportunities. Like he's produced very well with the workload that he's got. Um, Tyler Algier did log 16 carries, but he was pretty inefficient. And just overall, his lack of receiving usage kind of makes him tough to trust. Um, like unless it's a great matchup where you're very confident the Falcons are just going to destroy the other team on the ground. I don't think we have that here with the Lions. So I have Algier as a sit, but definitely someone who you should keep on your roster could be playable in plus matchups, like I mentioned. Um, and then also it's just a great handcuff if Bijan were to go down. Now this Lions backfield kind of getting interesting here. We did see Jameer Gibbs expand his role in week two, and it wasn't just because David Montgomery went down. Um, When Montgomery went down, Craig Reynolds honestly just kind of stepped into that David Montgomery role. It's not like they just handed everything over to Jameer Gibbs, Um, but we saw Gibbs dominate the two-minute drill snaps, and he also took the majority of the third downs. We didn't really see that um, in week one against the Chiefs. He had seven carries, nine targets. That nine target number is really great to see. He had a 41% target rate, which is very impressive. Um, I think uh, Dan Campbell came out, said that David Montgomery is day-to-day with a thigh injury. If they deem him you know, healthy enough to play, I'd be comfortable starting him. I would also be starting Jameer Gibbs. And then right now, I'd be sitting Craig Reynolds. But I do think that if David Montgomery is out, I think Craig Reynolds would probably be a fringe option for me. I think a lot of people would assume that Jameer Gibbs would just take this huge workload. I don't think they want to use Jameer Gibbs that way. And I think they would just kind of hand over that Montgomery role to Craig Reynolds. So someone where if you're kind of in a bind at the running back position, someone you could pick up and people probably aren't, you know, scrambling to the waiver wire to uh, acquire Craig Reynolds. In the next matchup, we have the Saints taking on the Packers. And honestly, a really tough break if you uh, roster Jamal Williams. You probably played him in this game. Thought it would be a solid matchup after the Falcons destroyed the Panthers on the ground. And unfortunately, he goes down with an injury. And then we see Tony Jones step in and score twice. So definitely a hit if you started Jamal Williams. This backfield's really all up in the air heading into uh, week three. I believe it was a hamstring injury. 
that Jamal Williams is dealing with. So who knows if he's good to go. Kendra Miller has been banged up to start off the season, hasn't played yet. Who knows if he'll be good to go. They just uh, pulled Tony Jones off the practice squad heading into this game. So it's not like he's someone they're you know overly high on moving forward. So right now, I just have these guys as sits. We're just going to have to wait and see how this week plays out. Um, Alvin Kamara will be serving the last game of his suspension here. He'll return in week four, so he won't be back. Just a running back room we're kind of going to have to evaluate later on in the week. Right now, really tough to make any firm calls. For the Packers, if Aaron Jones is back, I think he's a really strong start. If Aaron Jones is not back, I think A.J. Dillon's probably like a back-end running back too. But hopefully we do see Aaron Jones return here in week three. Moving over to the Texans-Jaguars matchup. Through two weeks, Damian Pierce's usage has been pretty disappointing. He did rack up 15 carries, three targets in week two, like which is solid usage, but that was only turned into 35 scrimmage yards, which obviously is not going to you know, hold up for fantasy. He's not running routes like he was in the preseason. That's why I kind of bought into him later on in the offseason. His preseason usage was great. He was you know, running a ton of routes. His route participation was fantastic. That is not carried into the season. He only had a 31% route participation in week two. Um, Singletary and Ogumbawale combined for uh, 58%. So not ideal, especially on an offense that's probably going to be behind a lot. Also in this matchup here against the uh, Jaguars, I considered dropping Damian Pierce to a fringe play, but then I kind of looked into it. Through two weeks, he's averaging 13 carries, three targets a game. That is an overall solid workload. More efficient games are going to be in store for Damian Pierce. He also just kind of needs to that uh, O-line to get healthy. They've been kind of banged up on the O-line, which is obviously going to uh, kind of hinder Damian Pierce's efficiency. So hopefully that all comes together. I think right now he's like a back-end running back too, um, but someone who I've definitely been kind of disappointed in so far this season. On the other side with the Jaguars, Travis Etienne didn't really do anything fantasy-wise, but his usage was strong. Um, kind of weird. In week one, he had a super strong uh, receiving usage, but he didn't get the goal line carry. Uh, Tank Digsby did. Here in week two, he wasn't as involved as a pass catcher, still solid route participation, but it wasn't as crazy as it was in week one. But then he was the guy getting the goal line work, so they kind of swapped there. Um, right now, I still think he's a very strong start, probably honestly like a back end running back one moving forward, maybe even a mid tier running back one with some of the uh, injuries we have with Chubb, Austin Eckler potentially uh, missing week three. That's still up in the air. Um, but now moving over to the Broncos Dolphins matchup here, starting off with the Broncos. Javante Williams remains the best option, but it's definitely not a pretty backfield. Kind of a gross situation here. Samaje Pirine actually led this backfield in snaps and routes run, but he only logged one carry and two targets, so he's unplayable at this point for fantasy. Javante Williams' route participation fell to only 26%, which is definitely rough, um, but he did log 12 of the 14 running back carries, and then he had three targets, so even though Samaje Pirine ran more routes, he did end up uh, getting targeted more than Samaj P. Ryan. The really kind of gross part of this backfield was McLaughlin came in for a one carry, and he's the guy who ended up scoring the touchdown, which, I mean, has got to be tough to swallow if you started Javante Williams or Samaj P. Ryan. So I think at this point, Javante's like a running back three. Samaj is someone who really shouldn't be sniffing your lineup. Um, and then McLaughlin, like pretty much a non-factor outside of that one carry, which ended up being the touchdown. On the other side with the Dolphins, uh, with Jeff Wilson still on IR, Devin A-Chain not really breaking out to start off the season. I think Raheem Mostert's a really strong start here heading into week three. He's coming off a huge week uh, two performance on primetime. So I think at least over the next two weeks, Raheem Mostert is someone you can trust in your fantasy lineups. 
Moving over to the Chargers taking on the Vikings. If Austin Eckler is healthy, you know, we saw him miss week two. If Eckler's healthy heading into week three, he will be a solid start for me. And then I'd probably be sitting Joshua Kelly, kind of disappointed um, in his kind of game with Austin Eckler out. But it was a tough matchup against the Titans, which I kind of mentioned earlier on, I think with the, uh, the Browns running backs. If Austin Eckler misses this game, I do think you could probably go back to the well here with Joshua Kelly. We just saw the uh, Vikings get shredded by DeAndre Swift on the ground. Week one, they kind of held Rashad White in check, but I do think this is a much better matchup if Austin Eckler does miss. So I think Joshua Kelly is definitely playable if Eckler is out. If Eckler plays, he's obviously going to be starting in your lineup. Now on the other side for the Vikings here, Alexander Madison, I have him as a fringe play. He just straight up hasn't been good through two games. Um, through two games, 19 carries for 62 yards. That's 3.3 yards a carry. He's been targeted 10 times, turned that into six receptions for 21 yards. The Vikings so far have really had to rely on passing volume just to kind of stay in these games. And I don't really think that changes here against the Chargers. The Chargers are probably going to put up points. Um, Kirk's going to have to return, you know, with Jefferson, Jordan Addison. So I don't know if this is a spot where they're going to be able to rely on the run game. And overall, like season long, I would really be shocked if Madison maintains his opportunity share of this backfield. He hasn't been good, um, and not saying Ty Chandler is some sort of world beater, but if one running back isn't great, you know, giving them a ton of opportunities, that's not going to make them better moving forward. So I think he's playable at this point, but I also think he is at risk of just losing out on a huge chunk of this backfield really at any point. Like if they went out in week three and this was a 60-40 Madison to Chandler split, I wouldn't be surprised. And if that's the split, you probably don't feel great about Alexander Madison in your lineup. If he scores like, you know, gets a one touchdown, two touchdown game, I'd probably be looking to pivot away from him um, before he just completely loses that starting job. Next matchup is a divisional game between the Patriots and the Jets. For the Patriots here, I think you just fire up Ramondre Stevenson as a strong like back-end RB1 play. Sitting Ezekiel Elliott, just clearly their running back two at this point. Then for the Jets, brutal game from this Jets offense. Um, Delvin Cook, Brees Hall, and Michael Carter all played between 15 and 17 snaps which is just disgusting, especially in a game where you're not putting up any points. It seemed like after the game, Brees Hall was kind of upset with his usage in week two. And to be totally honest, like I really don't blame him. After 147 yards from scrimmage in week one, he only logged four carries and two targets here in week two. Like I understand capping his workload early on. You want him to work back from that ACL tear, but the entire Jets running back room accounted for 10 carries and five targets. If that's the pool of touches you're working out of, Brees Hall needs to have a much larger share of those. He can't have four of the 10 carries and two of the five targets. That's just, you know, not smartly allocating those opportunities for the running backs. We did see the Patriots just let Raheem Mostert run all over them. So it's definitely not as bad of a matchup as the Cowboys were. So I think Brees Hall is playable as like an RB3 flex option, but I definitely don't think he's like a locked in start. We're gonna need to see a more consistent locked in workload, like a more secure workload, before we firmly trust Brees Hall in our lineups, but I still think Brees Hall can give you some decent production. I talked about him as a buy low player, still uh, feel solid about that. And Delvin Cook, I mean, he really looks cooked at this point. Um, I guess he's still rosterable as like a handcuff, but not a strong start to the season for Delvin Cook. In the next matchup, we're going to have the Bills taking on the Commanders. For the Bills, we saw another really strong game out of James Cook, 17 carries, four targets. Really the only criticism you could have for James Cook is that he's not getting the goal line work. 
but that was kind of expected heading into the season. Here in week two, we saw Damian Harris and Latavius Murray kind of splitting opportunities and splitting those goal line opportunities. Um, Murray played 18 snaps, Harris played 14. It's kind of tough to roster either of those dudes at this point because you were kind of hoping that one of them would have handcuff upside. But if James Cook goes down, it probably just turns into a really gross split. So we'll see if one of those guys is kind of able to beat out the other one. But right now you just fire up James Cook as a great play and then you sit the rest of that backfield. And then on the other side here for the Commanders, we saw another really strong game out of Brian Robinson, some really strong usage. He's the locked in start here. And Antonio Gibson at this point is like a handcuff. Uh, moving over to the Panthers-Seahawks matchup, starting off with Miles Sanders, he definitely has not been like this high-end three-down workhorse that people were talking about heading into the season. Here in week two, 62% snap share, 46% route participation. Just hearing those numbers, that is not great usage, especially for a running back you're trusting in your lineup, but he still saw 14 of the 16 running back carries, and he was targeted four times. I think at this point, he's a back-end running back too. Not sure how locked in that workload is going to be moving forward. Like that could potentially slip. Um, but I do think right now he's like a back end running back too, going up against the Seahawks who haven't necessarily been like locked down against the running back position. So I think you fire up Miles Sanders and you feel fine about it. On the other side for the Seahawks, Kenneth Walker coming off of a uh, two touchdown game, not an efficient performance, but still someone who I think is very startable. And then uh, sitting his handcuff, Zach Charbonnet. Moving over to the Cowboys-Cardinals matchup. Man, Tony Pollard is just getting fed for the uh, Cowboys. They were kind of hesitant to give him this huge workload in previous seasons. This year, they're really just going out and uh, feeding him. So he's a locked in start. On the other side for the Cardinals, James Conner just continues to be a workhorse for this Cardinals offense. They really showed flashes of being kind of impressive against the Giants. I really don't think that carries over here against the Cowboys. But even in a bad matchup with the usage that James Conner gets, I still think at worst he's like a back end running back two here in week three. Next up is going to be the Bears taking on the Chiefs. Looking at this Bears backfield, I mean, this Bears offense in general is just in shambles. We also just saw the Chiefs hold the Jaguars to under 10 points, so not a great combo there. We did see Deonta Foreman was a healthy scratch um, in week three, which was kind of interesting for these running backs. Shifts to a two-headed committee away from a three-headed committee, and we did see Khalil Herbert play like the more valuable role in week two. He was the guy they had out there to be their running back one. I still just don't really want any part of this running back room, especially here in week two, or sorry, week three. Um, I think Roshan Johnson's probably the more valuable guy long-term, but like this week, I do not want either of those dudes in my lineup. On the other side for the Chiefs, I guess Isaiah Pacheco kind of separated himself a little bit in this backfield. He had a 52% snap share, 47% route participation. He took 12 of the 14 running back carries. He does just have a pretty low weekly floor because he's not overly involved as a pass catcher and the goal line work is always kind of up in the air. And the Chiefs really aren't a team that's going to like bang it in on the goal line with the running back position. It's just not really how they run their offense. But this is a pretty strong matchup here against the Bears. The Chiefs are probably going to be massive favorites in this game, potentially double digit favorites. Honestly, probably locked in double digit favorites. So I think Pacheco could be the guy who's kind of icing the game later on. So I think he's a fringe play. I do think he's playable. Obviously, there's some just uncertainty in that Chiefs backfield, but I would list him as a fringe option. Next up is going to be the Steelers taking on the Raiders. For the Steelers, I mean, this is really a tough backfield to kind of navigate here. Najee Harris just does not look good. Jalen Warren looks like the far more explosive back. This is something I kind of talked about 
prior to the uh, season starting. Like if Najee Harris did not have the first round draft pick attached to him, I don't think he's the running back one in this backfield. I think it would be Jalen Warren. I'm going to list Najee Harris as a fringe option because the Raiders have had a really tough time against fantasy running backs through two weeks. I don't think you can really feel great about starting Najee Harris, but maybe this is the matchup that kind of gets him going. He's still going to be the guy who leads this backfield in terms of work on the ground. So I do them as a fringe option, but I mean, if you were spending a third round pick on Najee Harris, I feel like you have to be very, very concerned moving forward. He just doesn't look like the best running back there for the Steelers. I think that's Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren's going to be a sit, um, just hasn't carved out enough of a role. Maybe he overtakes Najee throughout the season, but probably unlikely just given you know what they've invested in Najee Harris. On the other side for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs is at a pretty underwhelming start. Um, to the 2023 season. I'm really not worried. His usage is still really strong. His opportunity share is impressive. He just hasn't put together two strong performances. I think he's a very strong start moving forward. Still a nice running back one for fantasy. Um, next up, we have the Eagles taking on the Bucks. I believe this is the uh, first Monday night game. Starting off with the Eagles here, I just feel like DeAndre Swift has to be a start. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell out in week two, DeAndre Swift logs a 75% snap share, 55% route participation, 28 carries, three targets. And it's not like he just was handed this massive workload and was like, okay, he looked great. He had 41 rushing yards over expected, which is very impressive. You also have Kenneth Gainwell banged up, like I mentioned, same thing with Boston Scott. And then the uh, Eagles just looked really reluctant to rely on Rashad Penny and he kind of looked cooked. Unfortunately, he's just had a ton of injuries. So he might just kind of be done as like a relevant running back. I think DeAndre Swift has the opportunity to really kind of ice himself as this running back one. And I think you start him here against the Bucs. Um, they're going to be sitting like the rest of that backfield. Then for the Buccaneers, Rashad White had a really nice week two, uh, rebounded from kind of a rough week one efficiency wise. I think he's a nice start here, even in a tough matchup against the Eagles. He still is a guy who's going to have receiving upside and he's going to be involved, you know, whatever the game script looks like, sitting uh, his backup, Sean Tucker. And then the final game of the week, the Rams taking on the Bengals. Got to start it off here with the Rams and with Cam Akers likely done with the team, I mean, we saw Kyron Williams have a massive workload in week two. He had a 95% snap share, 87% route participation, 14 carries, nine targets. I will say like he put together a strong fantasy day. He was pretty inefficient on the ground. He had the lowest rushing yards over expected um, in week two, which is definitely not ideal. But I mean, if they're going to keep feeding him, you got to fire him up. Uh, the Rams have looked much better offensively than I think pretty much everyone was expecting, especially going up against the uh, 49ers. So I think he's got to be a locked and start moving forward. There's no guarantee he holds on to this role throughout the entire season because the Rams backfield has been you know, pretty volatile in recent seasons. But right now, you just got to ride the hot hand, fire him up. On the other side with the Bengals, starting Joe Mixon, still having very solid usage. And then you're kind of just hoping Joe Burrow ends up uh, suiting up for this game. So that's going to wrap it up for every single week three matchup. If you guys enjoyed the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Uh, let me know any comments you have down below. Um, and then the uh, wide receiver start sit is going to be up today also. So go check that out. Thank you all for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.